Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Blessings and abundance to everybody. This is your host of the Sun Study with Steven podcast. Steven, thankful for y'all to come and tap in with me again. Um, thankful for another opportunity to produce more content with the Suns advancing to the second round. And in that, they'll be going against the Denver Nuggets. So we'll be getting our series preview in um, as we kind of trek forward with this episode. So again, thank you for the second. Thank you for tapping in with me on the second rendition of this specific podcast uh, without further ado let's go ahead and get into it so in the first round we saw the Denver Nuggets gentlemen sweep just like the Suns did with the Clippers over the Minnesota Timberwolves they won four games to one and in that series they averaged 114.2 points per game on 48% from the field 38% from three and about 78% from uh, the free throw line this Denver Nuggets team I'm not sure if people were watching them in the first round. I'm not sure if people were watching them in the regular season. But this team is not um, like a Patty K team or a team that you can kind of just look over and just expect to beat um, easily in any capacity. This team is tough. This team has continuity, which, again, is if anybody should know what continuity is, is a weapon, especially over the last two, three seasons. It should be Suns fans. And, or anybody that follows the Suns in general. Uh, this Nuggets team is extremely well coached. This Nuggets team has an MVP caliber player, a perennial MVP caliber player in, um, in Nikola Jokic. They have one of the better combo guards in the NBA in Jamal Murray. They have one of the more physical enforcer types at the four in Aaron Gordon. They have one of the best spot-up shooters and movement shooters in Michael Porter Jr., who's also extremely tall and makes it tough for, to contest his um, any type of jump shots, whether that be his escape dribbles off of the long closeouts that he gets or his general three-point shots or the growing uh, work in the in the mid post that he's starting to slowly develop and get into his game for game reps uh, where he can just get into like zero dribble or one dribble pull-ups out of the mid post a little bit. Uh, and then they have players off the bench that are just reliable. They have – one of their best acquisitions this season was the addition of Bruce Brown out of free agency. He gives them the point of attack defense that they did not have prior to this new rendition. Um, he gives them just a general level of activity and he ups the pace of their games whenever he's in the mix. And that's a dynamic, again, that this team did not have prior to, that they needed desperately, and that he's already began to prove his worth with, specifically in the postseason. Um, and then they also, in the starting lineup, I kind of skipped over them, but they also have Contavious Caldwell Pope, who, in addition to Bruce Brown, also brings a lot of what they need in terms of defense around their offensive-minded players. Um, KCP is one of the more physical defenders. He's a wing stopper in a sense. He's not the tallest guy per se, but he can hold his own against taller matchups. Uh, he's very, very fundamental with his navigating of screens, off-ball, chasing guys around. He's good with top-locking and trailing. Um, he's good with just general top locking. He does a good job understanding what our offense is trying to get to in terms of their sets and being able to stifle that flow and make it somewhat muddy. He's good with his hands and his re- uh, reaction time, getting his hands in passing lanes. He's good at picking up on the rhythm and cadence of dribblers. Um, dribblers most sought after type of rhythm and feel. And then he's also just very disciplined. More than anything else, KCP is just so solid because he's so disciplined. He doesn't foul often, and even if he does, um, sometimes it doesn't get caught because of his reputation kind of preceding him in those instances. And he's just just very, very, very solid. Um, and if, if Suns fans can kind of relate back to the 2021 finals run, KCP was the one that was tasked 
primarily with guarding Devin Booker. And he held Devin Booker to, I think Devin Booker was about 44% from the field in that series when KCP was his primary defender. So that's obviously not being locked down. But KCP did win some of those matchups, again, just off of the physicality, his IQ, and his understanding the situations and how to defend specific guys in the scenarios that they are typically featured in most often within the floor of their offense. So it's going to be fun to see KCP on Devin Booker. Um, it's going to be fun to kind of see the evolution of Devin Booker on a defender that didn't necessarily give him trouble by any stretch, but that made things tough in stretches. Um, so just kind of be, it'll be fun to kind of gauge that. And then going back to the Nuggets bench, though, um, they have Christian Brown, a solid rookie. Um, he just does his job, man. He doesn't do anything less or more. He's still kind of finding his way within their rotation as well as on the NBA stage. But he can make big plays. He's an athlete. Um, he just gets after it. And he's the type of player, especially at that guard slash forward spot, that can kind of get things done for them, again, off that bench unit. And they have Jeff Green. Brown, Brown. <laughs> Christian Brown, um, and then we got the other Brown, actual Brown, Bruce Brown, and then Jeff Green are the three in the first round were the three biggest minute getters off the bench. Uh, we know what Jeff Green is, just another consummate veteran. He's going to knock down occasional corner threes that might annoy you because you're not expecting him to knock them down after you miss four or five in a row. He's going to hit the timely ones. He's going to get somebody off that pump fake that he's been doing for the last, like, 80 years. Um, and then he's going to get to the basket, and then he's going to show those flashes of athleticism that made him one of the most interesting players when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder in his earlier years. And he's just going to be he's just going to be solid. There might be times where they go small and they have him in there, and then there's going to be other times where they have a mixture of bigs that they might kind of see who fits best in this series. So in that, they have Peyton Watson, Zeke Naji, Thomas Bryant, and DeAndre Jordan. They can go with any one of those four, and I think Michael Malone feels comfortable doing so. I think in general he feels comfortable with the depth that he has and the options he has in his um, toolbox to deploy over the course of this series based off of the temperature and what his team might need or what the Suns might be dictating. So I think him having these pieces in his back pocket off the bench to kind of mix and match within his main rotation will be something to watch for. Nonetheless. Looking at the Nuggets as a whole, um, they have a solid complement of shooters, primarily with Michael Porter Jr. and Contavious Caldwell Pope in the catch-and-shoot variety, spaced out around Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Aaron Gordon in the starting lineup, specifically at MPJ. In the first round, he scored 7.2 points per game off of catch-and-shoots, and he shot those from deep at 46.2%. That is very solid. And then in addition to that, with KCP, he averaged 5.2 points off of catch and shoots in the first round. And that netted him, uh, he was hitting those at around 44.4% from deep. So those, again, are solid numbers. You have to respect them. And, again, that's just going to be a, kind of a back and forth pushing, pulling tug with the Suns on defense, whether they want to help and concede to looks for these guys when they're spaced out strategically around the wing around two-man games between Murray and Jokic or Jokic and Murray or Murray and um, Gordon or Gordon and Jokic. Like, they have a lot of pick-and-roll tandems that they can get into to tug at different types of dynamics of an opposing defense. So the Suns will definitely be challenged in their help defense, in their primary containment, in their screen navigation to potentially stay out of rotation. Uh, that's going to be a kind of chess match within the game to watch over the course of this series. And over the course of just get the game-by-game game reps and um, just different stretches along the lines of that. Um, kind of looking at Jamal Murray, a lot of the things that the Nuggets do obviously revolve around Nikola Jokic, but there's also the Jamal Murray dynamic in which he's either initiating offense, getting into a pick-and-roll with Nikola Jokic, or setting a screen for Jokic with their inverted pick-and-rolls, which they love to use, where you see Jamal Murray kind of curl in from behind or underneath the defense to set uh, screens for Nikola Jokic as the primary ball handler, um, especially late in games or when they need a basket. Um, and kind of seeing how teams like to defend it, whether they try to go with the show and recover on the person that's guarding Jamal Murray. Um, if Nikola Jokic's man can navigate the screen set by Jamal Murray, who is not afraid of the contact that comes with setting screens on bigger players. 
uh, whether that ends up being a switch. Like, there's a lot of different ways that they can go about tugging at the strings of a defense's uh, principles and how they decide to defend on the fly. So those are going to be little things to look at. Uh, but Jamal is just a shot-making extraordinaire. I mentioned it yesterday on our Into the Valley podcast, but he's one of the wild cards in the NBA, especially on the playoff stage because of how how high of a ceiling he could potentially reach when his shots are falling. When they're falling at the prolific rate that he's shown that he can do in multiple stretches on the playoff stage, this puts the Nuggets over the top. Makes them almost impossible to guard because obviously you have the Nikola Jokic walking dynamic and the walking advantage that he is, whether that be as a scorer or as a playmaker, but especially when he's blending both and he's getting his touches in delay action at the top of the dome, at the elbows, on the low block in the mid post, um, right at the nail in the free throw line in isolation. Like when he's getting all his touches, that's just a, a, a all-encompassing dynamic that you have to account for. If you're also getting the Jamal Murray all-encompassing scoring dynamic, whether that be him initiating and pick and roll, whether that be him working off the screens, whether that be him working off the dribble handoffs, whether that be him working in the mid post in isolation, which he has a little bit of a post game as well, which we'll see in this series, or if that's him working as a cutter off the ball. He has all of these different entities and dynamics that make him kind of a Steph Curry, Dame Lillard type of hybrid, um, obviously in a lighter version, in a lighter capacity. But that's the type of um, offensive archetype that he has. He doesn't always have to operate with the ball. And he's also not held specifically to working off the ball and off-screen dynamics. He can work in any entity. He's a three-level scorer. He can score at the basket as well. He can get to the basket. He can generate rim pressure, self-create for himself and others. And he's just he's just a a, a task to deal with and to game plan for. So uh, the Suns are gonna the Suns are gonna have their challenges guarding this team. The Suns have not been their best through the first round in terms of um, their process defensively in a sustainable manner. We've seen them flip a game's script and tempo and flow on its head off of their defense in these playoffs already. But can they do it in a sustainable manner? That's the big question that's going to be looming over the course of this series because, I mean, it goes without saying that the Denver Nuggets, especially uh, compared to their first-round matchup, the Suns' first-round matchup with the Los Angeles Clippers, um, and zooming in even more, especially with that Clippers team being without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, it's going to be night and day in terms of the the prolificity of the offense that they're going against, but also the pieces that this team has. They have different types of advantage setters that the even a healthy Clippers team did not have because of the manners in which Paul George and Kawhi Leonard operate on offense. They're a stark contrast to how Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr., specifically those three, operate on the offensive side. And that's all within the offensive philosophy of the Denver Nuggets as a whole. It's just a contrast looking at how the Suns might defend that Clippers group in the first round, healthy or not, versus how they're going to have to defend this Nuggets team and the types of ways that this Nuggets offense can compromise the Suns. Uh, the the um, Nuggets offense, heavy on the motion, it's kind of Golden State light. It's kind of uh, Sacramento Kings light in terms of having a lot of movement, activity off the ball, a lot of screens slipping, a lot of screens being set off the ball, uh, a lot of backdoor cuts, a lot of built-in encounters. They have a, a very, very solid motion offense, obviously um, built around the the weaponry and the just the arsenal of skill that Nikola Jokic um, possesses. And kind of in that, and because he's such a great all-time ball handler and all-time processor and all-time playmaker, all-time passer, all of these things, and sees the game at speeds light years ahead of most, um, that allows for them to play off script. And when you're a team that obviously is game plan for, you know what their sets, their split cuts, and when they come, that's one thing to know about it and see it on film. But it's a whole different thing and a whole different task when they're screening involved and then they're moving at the pace that they do in the half court. And you have to not just know what's coming, but be in position to stop it. A lot of times with their delay offense, when Jokic has the ball at the top of the key, or even if he is at the elbow and they're working split cuts from there, um, that brings, because of his ability to space the floor and shoot from multiple spots on the floor off a live dribble and off the catch, that brings the opposing five off the porch around the restricted area or defending in the dunker spots to where he can help in rim protection. And that opens up the underneath allowing for the Nuggets to play 
with the slippage, with the split cuts, with the backdoor cuts, with the hammer screens, all of these different things that they can get into. And they have the freelancing ability in that starting lineup to do so off script without losing their flow and using that randomness as an advantage for their offense. So the Suns will be tasked with being disciplined with their rotations. They had troubles at times with their switches, primarily on the ball, but at times they had issues with their switches off the ball. The, the, the Clippers, as I mentioned, they couldn't exploit it to the extent and in a sustainable manner that the Nuggets would be able to with a pass, with dribble drives, and all of those things. So they would have to be sharp at the mesh point of all screens. They would have to be sharp with all communication before an action ha- happens and just be extremely proactive rather than being reactive. Because if you're being reactive against this Nuggets defense, you're going to be behind the eight ball like 90% of the time. There's just too many built-in scripted cuts, too many off-script cuts, and just too much trust and, again, continuity and chemistry with this group um, that it's going to be a weapon, especially if a team is not disciplined in a sustainable manner on the defensive side of the ball. So um, just kind of looking at some of the other things that the Nuggets have, we talked about um, the Jokic and Jamal Murray pick and roll. We also talked about the Murray screening for Jokic in an inverted pick and roll dynamic, which they use late in games. We also have Jamal Murray just generally screening. He's a solid screener, and he will set screens for Aaron Gordon sometimes if he has the ball and go inverted in that manner. Um, He'll also set screens off the ball that enable, especially if the Suns aren't communicating defensively, it'll enable for Michael Porter Jr. to get a, a backdoor cut for a lob opportunity at the basket, or even more so for Aaron Gordon to get to a lob opportunity. And obviously, especially in front of their home court, which is one of the better basketball um, ambiances and better basketball environments in uh, the National Basketball Association, especially on the playoff stage. Those are the momentum type of uh, garnering plays that can really flip a game that might be a two-point lead that ends up turning a four, but the momentum of the crowd can just all bear down and work against you in addition to the altitude that they're playing in. So the Suns, again, will have to be on schedule and early with their with their communication because Murray is a very sneaky screener and that is a, a quiet underlying dynamic of the, the Nuggets offense that they use and really abuse teams with, especially, again, the teams that aren't disciplined defensively. Um, I mean, outside of, outside of those entities, they don't run much in terms of their pace, but which is kind of like the Suns, but also like the Suns, they take care of the basketball. They absolutely value their possessions. They don't waste many. And in terms of through the first round, through their, through their five games in the first round, they only average 12 turnovers. And they don't give up many live ball turnovers either. Uh, again, not unlike the Suns. So looking at um, the possession battle, this is where you're going to have to also value your possessions. Um, if you're speaking from the Suns' perspective on offense, because the Nuggets aren't going to give it up, and they're not going to put the ball in harm's way all that often either. And in addition to all of that, the Nuggets also are a very good three-point shooting team. They take a lot more attempts than the Phoenix Suns, and they make, obviously, more than the Suns as well. So in terms of looking at math, the math dynamic is going to be something that comes into play because you're not going to take the three-point shot off the table from the Nuggets completely because you're going to have to concede help to the two-man game variants of Jokic with Murray, Murray with Jokic, um, Jokic with Gordon, Gordon with Jokic, (laughs) Gordon with Murray, Murray with Gordon. Like all of these two-man games, you're going to have to concede extra help too at waning moments of the game and the variance of the game. So being able to have um, just trustworthy guys to close out onto the three-point shooters that the Nuggets have, like we mentioned, primarily MPJ and KCP, but just in general, the shooters that they have, especially if Jamal Murray's working off the ball as well, is going to be important because they're going to get up a lot of attempts and if you can at least mitigate some of the efficiency on those three-point attempts that they put up, which in the first in the first round, through the first round, was uh, at 32.4 attempts, which is about middle of the pack in terms of uh, the landscape of the playoff teams. But their 12.6 makes per game was seven. So, and they get, they generate very high quality. Like a lot of their three-point shots, unless it's coming from Jamal Murray, Almost every other three-point shot that they take is going to be coming off of a catch-and-shoot, which is obviously the highest percentage type of three-point shot you can take. And even with Jamal Murray, he's knocking down uh, his pull-ups. I don't think he's only taking like 1.6 a game through the first round, but he's knocking those down somewhere near 40%. 
So that's a viable shot. And just being able to, again, get up solid contests also without fouling, but also being able to have the discipline to not always run all of their shooters off the three-point line is going to be important. They're going to get up their attempts, and the Suns are going to have to get theirs up on their end as well, which is uh, something we'll talk about a little bit later as we transition over to the Suns side. But before we do that, uh, we want to start looking at matchups. So looking at how the Suns will match up with the Nuggets offense, obviously it will be DeAndre Aiden on Nikola Jokic, which is going to be a matchup. That's going to be the matchup to watch because Aiden is the X factor in this series, in my opinion. His defense on Nikola Jokic is going to be it's going to be a big indicator of how the Suns or if the Suns can win this series. Obviously, you're not going to completely shut down or stop a Nikola Jokic. Nobody ever has. Nobody ever will. What you can do is you can make him navigate your, your activity defensively by making him exert all types of energy to do so. So if he's going to score, if you're going to make him be a scorer, you're going to have to obviously take away his airspace because taking away his airspace makes a lot of the fantastic wizardry that we see from his savant basketball mind, IQ, and skill as a passer. Taking a lot of that away is just off of ball pressure alone. And if you're the likes of DeAndre Ayton, who's athletic, has quick hands, and also has a 7-5 wingspan, a 7-6 wingspan, that can take away a lot of the angles and the potential passes that he might hit um, if that pressure is not applied by eating up his airspace. So. In addition to that, Aiden being able to defend, to defend away from the basket without fouling is going to be important. But equally as important is going to be him defending at the elbow in the mid post, on the low post, on the box without fouling as well. Because Jokic is, again, one of the best scorers in the NBA. He has maybe the best footwork since Kobe Bryant was in the league, um, especially and specifically looking at post work. Like his, his footwork is impeccable. He's adept in great with his touch and his feel for the game. He can use pump fakes to get you off your heels. Uh, he uses sometimes two, three, four, five, six pump fakes before getting into a, a floater, a hook shot, a half hook, uh, a turn over the shoulder, all without traveling. And it can it can be taxing to, um, to your discipline defensively if you're not locked in. So Aiden has to stay locked in. He typically is when he has a direct matchup. Um, you can look at his matchup in the first round of 2021 with with Anthony Davis. You can look at the matchup in the second round with, with Nikola Jokic, where Aiden wasn't in foul trouble much, if at all. And that was a large part of the reason why the Suns were able to perform it the way that they did, because he wasn't fouling. He was able to stay on the floor and match the minutes of Jokic uh, without having to really have any minutes where Jokic was on and Aiden wasn't, which is obviously a big bonus for the Suns, um, especially in this rendition, because you don't want to have to put Bismack Biyombo on Nikola Jokic or Jock Landale, or even if you go small ball, you don't want to have to put Kevin Durant on Nikola Jokic because that, in turn, allows for the Nuggets to dictate terms, and that is a Pandora's box you don't want to tap dance with because that is a quick way to lose games and potentially lose your grip on the series if you allow for them to dictate with their best player. You have to take that off the table, and the best way to take that off the table with Jokic is just having your stopgap in DeAndre Ayton be able to match his minutes and be able to be the primary defender of him. Um, and then kind of transitioning from that being the most important matchup, the next one for the Suns is going to be, um, I have Josh Okoji in the starting lineup for the Suns this series. And that's going to be Okoji guarding Jamal Murray. So I had a little Twitter thread the other day, um, yesterday, talking about the defense of Nikhil Alexander-Walker in the first round who was primarily tasked with defending Jamal Murray for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So that matchup went well for um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He was able to hold Jamal Murray to some subpar field goal percentage um, numbers in terms of efficiency and just generally even past the numbers off the eye test. Just made, made things tough on Jamal. Jamal hits a lot of tough shots, but it's one thing if he's hitting tough shots and – you know, there's no real impact on in terms of uh, making him exert a lot of energy to get to those shots because he is one of the better tough shot makers in the NBA, especially on this stage. But it's another thing if you're making almost every shot that he takes when you're guarding him, be a tough one where he's running through screens like he usually does, but there's physicality that comes with it. Um, and that's a dynamic that Nikhil Alexander-Walker was not able to put forth because of the stature and his frame that he's working with. Uh, which kind of worked to his advantage in terms of him being able to navigate screens and get through tight spaces as a defender. However, 
looking at Josh and Koji, him being able to defend and match up with Jamal Murray brings a lot of the dynamics that Alexander Walker brought to the table in terms of the screen navigation, the annoyance, um, just being there, being able to eat up their space, staying locked up, moving laterally, defending without fouling, um, navigating screens off ball and on ball. Uh, like all of those things Alexander Walker was solid with, but there's a physicality dynamic that he could not put forth to weigh down on Jamal Murray over the course of that series. So Jamal was feeling Alexander Walker, but he wasn't feeling him nearly to the extent or to the manner in which that, Jam- that um, excuse me, that Josh Okoji can dictate with, with his defense. So looking at that specific matchup and also the the pressing of 90 to 94 feet whenever he is bringing a ball up the floor and making him work to initiate offense as well as working to get to his spots in the half court, whether that be on ball or off the ball, it's going to be important. And if in stretches, Josh Okoji can take Jamal Murray off the table, make his, make his, um, make his touches be uh, high levels of exertion of energy or make them tough to um, tough to even receive with this top locking and it's just general denial in the passing lanes. If Okoji can do what he does best in that realm at the point of attack and then operating as a wing stopper when Jamal has the ball or is trying to get the ball off of screens and off the dribble handoffs, if he can muck up that flow, make it muddy, and just make it nasty to the legal limit, of course, that is a big avenue for the Suns to really dictate things with their defense and really set a tone in general um, all through Josh Okoji. And the Suns are going to need his um, deflections, need his steals, need his ability to review contests, need his secondary and tertiary rim protection, um, and um, contesting shots from behind and things like that. They're going to need all of that. His ability to draw draw offensive fouls when navigating screens because of his activity, all of those things they're going to need. And then some. And then kind of transition and pass the Jamal Murray dynamic of the the Nuggets offense. The next matchup will be. Um, well, actually, yeah, the next matchup will be Michael Porter Jr., who I think will be guarded by Devin Booker. And I think Devin Booker's defense was still somehow underrated in the first round. The general activity that he played with, the levels of exertion of energy that he put forth, in addition to averaging 37 points, to be able to put forth that consistent and that sustainable of a level of energy on the offensive side, or on the defensive side, excuse me, you can't put a, you can't put a value on it. Just, He's going to need it, and then some again in this series because the uh, the Los Angeles Clippers don't run as much or nearly as much off-ball action and activity that the Nuggets will run. They'll put Jamal Murray, and um, even past Jamal Murray, they'll put um, Michael Porter Jr. in all types of staggered actions, uh, coming off the ball, coming off screens, all types of pin-downs, wide pin-downs, middle pin-downs, um, sometimes a little bit of veer action. They'll put him through all types of um, all types of off-ball screening contexts to get him the ball and to get him in those opportunities to shoot off of movement. So Devin Booker's underrated screen navigation, on-ball and off-the-ball, even more so for this series, is going to be important. Being able to stick to the hip of Michael Porter Jr., who's going to be taller than Devin Booker. So being able to navigate, stay locked in on his hip, and get up solid contests, knowing that he doesn't necessarily want to put the ball on the ground and won't do so comfortably, that's going to be extremely important. I think Devin Booker will be up to task, but it's not going to be easy. And having to exert that type of energy running through screens and the physicality dynamic that comes with running through screens to that extent, to that volume, might weigh down on him some over the course of this series to the point where we might not necessarily see him with as much pop in terms of getting to his dribble drives on the offensive side of the ball. That's a dynamic to watch going over the course of this series, but he's going to have to be solid again um, guarding Michael Porter Jr., who I think will be his uh, one of his primary matchups over the course of this series, especially when it's starting lineup versus starting lineup. Um, and then kind of looking at the next matchup, Kevin Durant guarding Aaron Gordon is going to be something to watch. Aaron Gordon did not shoot the ball well in the first series in their opening series against Minnesota. So I think it would be wise for Monty Williams to have Kevin Durant helping off of Aaron Gordon to concede extra attention to any action where Nikola Jokic has the ball or is directly involved, but also in the action where Jamal Murray has the ball or is directly involved, whether that be as a cutter, dribble handoffs, and all of that stuff. Being able to have Kevin Durant as a blanket, as your secondary rim protector, is going to be extremely important this series. In addition to that, having Kevin Durant to be able to be your anchor in terms of 
communicating switches, being able to scram guys out of mismatches, being able to kick guys out of mismatches off of their inverted actions that they like to run, being Denver, being able to to kick guys out of off of rollers and things like that to the second side or to the weak side. And just his general IQ for when to help, when not to overhelp, and just the discipline that comes with being able to defend as a help defender against a team like the Denver Nuggets. It's going to be all important. And we're going to have to see, again, the one of the biggest reasons I felt that Kevin Durant was important to this team, not just because of his offense, but because of what he brings on the defensive side as an anchor in communication and in switches, but also as a secondary rim protector. It's going to be all important. And having a player with the likes of KD with a 7-5 wingspan that's just short of the wingspan that DeAndre Aiden has as your center, while also being 7 feet tall, is this is a series where it's going to be important because you want to try to be able to up the deflection rate or take away some of the passing angles and passing windows that the Nuggets like to pass through. So having somebody like Durant, who's going to be off the ball whenever, obviously, Jokic has it, with DeAndre Aiden being a seven-footer on the ball, it's going to be extremely important. And it won't be necessarily Durant defending Gordon one-on-one all that often, though there will be moments where Aaron Gordon's going to get a quick post-up touch or he's going to get an offensive rebound and being able to defend those and contest those looks where he tries to go, go back up in the paint without fouling, of course, the emphasis on that is going to be extremely important. And I think the last matchup is going to be Chris Paul guarding KCP. So we talked about the demand that Devin Booker is going to have in navigating screens with Michael Porter Jr. in chasing, locking and trailing, top locking, and things of that nature. By nature of the KCP matchup, Chris Paul is going to also have to be in the mix there. He's going to have to be held accountable for going against a player that also runs off of screens. KCP also handles off of dribble handoffs at times. And he's also typically a guy that's stationed one pass away or on the second side. There's the recipient of the advantages that players like Jamal Murray and uh, Nikola Jokic can facilitate for him on the second side. So Chris Paul is going to be have, going to have to be up to task with his primary matchup, but he's also going to have to be up to task because the Nuggets are sure to put him through the ringer in terms of forcing him to have to navigate screens, forcing the Suns' hand with their switch in defense to put Chris Paul in primary actions and then attack him, whether that be in, in isolation, whether that be Jamal Murray Barkley dribbling into the post to try to get that advantage off of the heightened stature with CP3. Uh, I mentioned in isolation, or you having Chris Paul have to be the primary defender in pick and roll for the for the Jokic-Jamurri uh, tandem, or even if Aaron Gordon is setting the screen for Jamal Murray. Chris was very good, just like Devin Booker, with his uh, activity and his discipline and just generally containing the ball in that first round against the Clippers. But it's a different dynamic when that player, obviously Kawhi Leonard is one thing, he only played two games in that first round series. It's going to be different even from Russell Westbrook and Norman Powell and trying to guard Jamal Murray because of the the different dynamics that we mentioned in the opening that he puts forth. So seeing Chris Paul defend against the many different actions that they're going to throw at him, um, he's, he should be up to task defensively, but that might potentially take away from some of his energy levels that he's able to put forth on the off- offensive side as well. So just kind of seeing the chest that comes with that is going to be fun to watch as well. And to be a perfect little transition from the matchups for the Suns, looking at the at the Nuggets, let's kind of transition and look at how the Nuggets match up with the Suns and lineups, and then we'll go to how the Nuggets might defend the Suns and then how the Suns will operate against the Nuggets' defense to close out. All right, so looking at the Nuggets, we got, in my opinion, I think we'll see Jamal Murray in the starting lineup matching up with Chris Paul, KCP matching up with Devin Booker, MPJ matching up with Josh Okoji, and them using Michael Porter Jr. as who has grown a lot, especially as a help defender, and knowing how to get to different matchups, knowing who to do, who to close out to long, who to close out to short. Um, also knowing when to help over the help line to help as an overload guy. I think that's a lot of what he'll be doing with Josh Okoji in the starting lineup. Um, and he's underrated as a help defender, so. For the for the issues that he might have in terms of operating on the ball as a defender, off the ball, he's grown a lot. And his IQ and just feel and timing and touch on defense have grown so much. Um, so he'll, he'll be on Josh Okoji, or if Torrey Craig starts, he'll be on the Torrey Craig types. Uh, obviously, Aaron Gordon will be 
on Kevin Durant. Aaron Gordon is the only defender on the Nuggets that has the stature requisite to guard a player of Kevin Durant's type, archetype, um, body structure-wise. And then, obviously, Nikola Jokic would be on DeAndre Ayton. I'm curious to see, of those matchups, the KCP dynamic on Devin Booker, because as we saw, I think I mentioned it earlier, KCP was the player who was primarily tasked with defending Devin Booker in that 2021 matchup. So seeing how he goes about guarding Devin Booker and the physicality that comes with it and how the Suns get them get Devin Booker on the move, he wasn't able to do it as much in the first round because of the defense of the, the Clippers, but seeing how they get Devin Booker more on the move so he's not always operating in isolation and that he's able to continue to get into his drives, which have been second best in the playoffs to Jalen Brunson, how they're able to get him into those scenarios a little bit more freely and use them more as a moving target in this series than they did in the round in the first round against the Clippers. Um, that's going to be fun to watch. And then just seeing what types of defenses they throw at not just Devin Booker, but also Kevin Durant. The Nuggets in the first round with the with the Minnesota Timberwolves, with uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, they didn't just send uh, all-out double teams on the catch or not even always on their first move after they make a dribble. But sometimes they were waiting until late in the shot clock. And what that does is when you're double teaming late in the shot clock, that condenses the amount of passes that you can make out of a double team. So if you're double teaming and there's 18 seconds on the clock, if that if that person that's being double teamed is able to get the pass to the next side or to the short roller or whatever, they have enough time to assess the defense on the catch and decide with discernment whether they want to go to the basket or make the plus one pass. Or if that plus one pass can add to another pass that keeps the defense in rotation. When you make that pass with 18 seconds on the clock, it's a lot different than if you make that pass out of a double team and there's 10 seconds or eight seconds on the clock. Because now the clock is sped up in terms of your time to process and make the next decision. And I think that was strategic from the Nuggets to use against the Timberwolves. And I think that's a template that they'll use with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant as well in this um, second round series. And it's going to be on the Suns, especially with, uh, with Durant, with the ball in Durant's hands, to be a lot more decisive with their decision-making and play out of that advantage. Um, I think it's going to be smart for the Nuggets to use that specific scheme, uh, that specific tactic, excuse me, against the Suns. And it's going to be fun to watch to see how the Suns go about attacking out of that and how often they go to that, especially out of Kevin Durant's mid-post touches, which I think, again, is the best advantage setter that they have outside of pick and roll with Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden or Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden. Um, so seeing them have a better process with going to their mid-post touches and isolation touches with Durant outside of just using him in pick and roll and as a catch-and-shoot guy is going to be important. Uh, also getting Durant the ball off of their veer action or off of their elbow action. All of those off-ball actions that the Suns like to run, they should feel extremely liberated after living and advancing through the Clippers series because the Nuggets don't apply the type of pressure that the Clippers can, even at their lowest point. And that's not a knock against the Nuggets. It's just the the types of uh, rosters that they have compiled. They don't have the amount of physical defenders top to bottom on their roster and especially in their playoff rotation that the Clippers do. So the Suns should be able to better navigate their sets and actions, play with more pace in the half court, get into their stuff with a lot better of a pace and tempo, and that should that should do well for them. And then kind of transitioning um, to the Chris Paul part of things, I think there's going to be an onus on him to be a scorer this series because – He's going to have Jamal Murray on him. And the best way to make Jamal Murray work outside of having Josh Koji on him when they're on offense is to make Jamal Murray work on defense. So Chris Paul being able to get him in pick and roll, especially with Nikola Jokic, who's going to be at the level of the screen early and often. Sometimes he might flathead out. Sometimes he might send out a blitz. Sometimes he might be up to touch and drop back, which is something that I'll keep mentioning that I want to see with DeAndre Aiden, who will also be in the same pickle in terms of his pick and roll coverage having to be up to the level, blitzing, flat hedging, sometimes potentially switching up to level, touching, and then dropping back. It's going to be the same thing with uh, Nikola Jokic. And there's going to be a lot of chess being played between him and Chris Paul in terms of what type of coverages they're blending in, if Chris Paul can pick up on the field for what types of coverages they try to deploy over the course of a game with Nikola Jokic, and how he can go about navigating that to get to that mid-range pull-up. Will they concede drop and trust Jamal Murray and his screen navigation, obviously that's going to change when a player like Bruce Brown comes in because then that's going to instantly put Jamal Murray back to a more off-ball defensive 
uh, role and Bruce Brown being their best primary, uh, best and primary uh, point of attack defender is going to bring a different dynamic to the mix. Um, so seeing Jamal on CP3 and seeing how often Chris is going to be aggressive, and that's outside of just the catch and shoots. Like how often is he going to be aggressive when the ball kicks to him or if he's initiating and he's able to get downhill? Uh, I think it's going to be important for him to put pressure on the paint in terms of getting to those elbow spots where everybody knows he's as prolific as any guard in NBA history from and getting those efficiency numbers up and getting the volume of those looks up as well. That's going to be important to see, and the Suns going to need him and need his scoring, especially in the second half of games uh, after the teams are conceding that extra help and attention to the likes of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And then lastly, in that starting lineup, looking at um, DeAndre Aiden and Josh Koji. So DeAndre Aiden is going to have to also apply pressure to Nikola Jokic. That means on his on his opportunities when he's as a roller, especially on the short roll, not just always conceding the mid-range jumper, which teams are going to live with, but putting pressure on the rim. He's putting pressure on the paint with the short roll because of who he is and knowing that he likes to operate around the free throw line. But if he can also parlay that into being a factor and putting the pressure on the rim on those catches, so blend, a better blend of taking the mid-range jumpers that are going to be conceded, especially if Jokic is at the level in that short roll, being able to knock those down. But taking that extra dribble or two and getting to the cup and dunking on somebody like Michael Porter Jr. that's going to be the low man, or Aaron Gordon that's going to be the low man and will certainly be overzealous to jump to try to block his shot. So using pump fakes, getting to that hook shot, but doing all of that a little bit closer to the restricted area and blending that in better with his mid-range touches is going to be extremely important for the Suns and their offensive process. And then looking at, um, obviously, on the short roll, not just scoring, but being able to play make and putting the, the Nuggets low man um, especially with the activity at the level of the screen from Jokic, being able to burn them and compromise them and stretch those rotations is going to be all important. And then looking at Josh Okoji specifically, uh, outside of DeAndre Aiden, I think him being used as a screener is a weapon for this team. I talked about it. I think it was in their December or January matchup with the New Orleans Pelicans where he had a couple of reps doing so, and he was able to get good looks both for himself and being a plus one guy, being a connector in that role on the short roll. I think that's going to be important as well because of the type of defense that they're going to play on him. They're going to concede for him to shoot those jump shots off the catch on the weak side. And even if he's one pass away, they're going to err on gap help versus trying to close out to him. So him being able to screen off the ball, him being able to screen on the ball and just generally get into that short roll and uh, connecting the area of the floor from the middle, whether that be him cutting off of the attention that's going to be conceded off of him to the, to the strong side and things like that is going to be important. Uh, also, obviously, him being able to knock down a handful of those shots because he can only play if he's able to knock down some of those. Like, of course, there's other ways to go about navigating um, the lack of floor spacing that he brings to the offense. But if he can do all of those little things and cutting and screening on the ball and off the ball and initiating offense, which is another thing that's important, if he can bring just even a 35% clip or 34% clip from deep this series, that could be that could potentially uh, put the series on its head because that's an equation in the math that's not necessarily on the table at its preset when comparing the Suns to the Nuggets. So finding ways for a Koji to be effective and remain effective on the offensive side is going to be important, especially if he's in that starting lineup, which I expect and hope to see from Monty Williams. And then kind of transitioning a little bit more to the Suns side of things and looking at how they should operate against the Denver Nuggets defense. Um, Devin Booker in those drives, he's been the primary driver for the Suns, especially with campaign having only played one game and not even playing that many minutes in game five. Um, I mentioned Devin Booker has been the second best driver of the basketball in the NBA in these playoffs to Jalen Brunson. Um, And points per game, he's getting 16 off of drives, and that's on 17.2 drives per game. It, that number has to be around that that uh that level of sustainability again in this series for him to be as effective as he can possibly be. In addition to that, him being able to just continue to put pressure on the Nuggets defense, especially if they do concede double teams to Kevin Durant, is going to be all important. And Devin Booker also has been shooting 66% on those drives, which is second to only Steph Curry for players that have a high 
a high volume of drives per game in these playoffs, that efficiency on that volume of drives at 17.2, on that numerical number of 16 points per game via drives is going to be important for this Suns team and their offensive process and putting pressure on the Nuggets because, again, if you're able to put forth these numbers in a sustainable manner against a vaunted defense like the Clippers on this playoff stage specifically, it should be a little bit easier to do so against this Nuggets team. And I'm expecting for Devin Booker to have another prolific scoring series like he did in that first round. Might not necessarily be to the extent of 37.2 points per game, but I think it's fairly reasonable to expect for Booker to be at 30 points per game on the series. And if he can do that and potentially be the best player in this series, while also flirting with being the best player on the Suns again, uh, kind of going toe-to-toe with Kevin Durant in that sense, that's a way for the Suns to really flip the series on his head and make things more favorable for themselves. Um, I do think that the Suns have better ways of going about defending the, the Nuggets than the Nuggets do of defending them. But the Suns have to hit those notes and have to be operating in that space as a team with that frequency. And if they can, the sky is the limit for this team and the sky is really the floor. But it's all about how they go about balancing that dynamic of their defense playing off of their offense and being able to have the offense pop with that pace and tempo that we saw in game five in a sustainable manner over the course of the series. So Devin Booker and his drives are going to be important to this Suns offense. And in addition to that, looking at how Kevin Durant operates against this Nuggets defense is going to be important as well. We mentioned that they have only one defender that meets the requisite standard in terms of um, stature to guard a player of Kevin Durant's type, um, being Aaron Gordon. And the one thing that Aaron Gordon brings to the party consistently in terms of being able to defend or at least just be tasked with the matchup of Kevin Durant is the physicality. He's going to bring it, and he's going to be overbearing with it, and he's going to take it sometimes even past the legal limit and pick up fouls. That's going to be the only way that he can really dictate things with Durant because if the Suns get the ball to Durant in space and clear out and allow for him to attack one-on-one with Aaron Gordon, I'm not sure that Aaron Gordon has many <clears throat> other ways to neutralize anything that Kevin Durant might put forth. Kevin Durant averaged a very cool and cruise control type of field with his 28.4 points per game in the first in the first round. I'm expecting that number to get north of 30 in this series. Again, just because the Nuggets don't have the the plethora of defenders to potentially throw at Durant in this series. And there's going to be moments where Aaron Gordon is probably not going to be on the floor while Kevin Durant is just based off of the staggering of rotations that we've seen from the Suns and the Nuggets in the first round. So seeing how Kevin Durant goes about operating on offense and seeing how the Suns feature him on offense and the pace at which they go about getting him his touches and the blend at which they go about getting him his touches through actions, like, again, out of elbow, sometimes from operating the pick and roll, sometimes him getting his mid-post touches in isolation, them going with the empty side pick and roll with him and CP3 or him and Devin Booker to potentially get the switch and then getting into that action quick so he has more meat on the shot clock to operate with, or him even getting it off of the off-ball actions. They haven't ran staggers for them in this in this uh, playoffs yet, but him getting it off of their uh, beer action while Jokic is at the level of the screen. Just these little nuanced ways to get him the ball on the move and even in their, um, their dribble handoff zoom actions, whether that be Chicago or Miami. Uh, seeing how they can get it, to Durant and potentially even manipulate switches in those scenarios is going to be important. Uh, he has to be better with his process um, with the double teams in terms of being more definitive and decisive with the pass that he's making out of it. Sometimes you can kind of see him hesitating against the Clippers, uh, which is a credit to their defense, but he's going to have to be better with his pace and his feel for that in this series, for this team to operate at the highest and most optimal level um, as an offense against the, the Nuggets defense. Um, we talked about Chris Paul and the, the um, emphasis on being aggressive, especially in the second half um, in the series. He's going to have to, again, also up his efficiencies. And I, and I think if he ups his efficiencies uh, on his shooting, whether that be off the catch and shoot or off of his, of course, dribble drives and in his pick and roll, getting into the mid-range, that number of 13, six points per game that he saw in the first series in the first round could creep up closer to 16, which is a number I think that he'll be at. Um, in a sustainable manner over the course of this series, just because of the matchup and the way that pick and roll can really compromise the Nuggets defense, whether that be on the ball with their lack of point of attack defense outside of um, Bruce Brown, 
or looking at how they go, uh, how they can be compromised with their help defense and their rotations. When the offense is able to hit those, hit those specific points in the in the defensive uh, weaknesses and hit them consistently in the manner in which the Suns can do. Um, also, looking, we talked about Koji and we talked about Aiden. Looking at the Suns bench in this series, so that's going to be something else to look at because Monty is going to have decisions to make. It goes, it's a given that Tory Craig is going to get minutes or Josh Koji, whichever one is not starting, is definitely going to be a factor in the rotation in this series. So outside of those two, I think it's going to be Biombo that gets a few minutes um, behind behind DeAndre Aiden in the non-Joker minutes. And that's obviously going to be a matchup to watch, which I spoke about, depending on who the Nuggets decide to put out there as their, uh, as their reserve big between Watson, Najee, Thomas Bryant, and DeAndre Jordan. Um, I think it's going to be Biombo that gets those, those eight to ten minutes uh, when DeAndre Aiden and Nikola Jokic are off the floor. But outside of those two between Tory Craig and Bismack Biyombo, who are going to be the other two to three players that get minutes in this series for the for the Suns? That could be any one of Landry Shamit, Damian Lee. That could also be any one of TJ Warren or Terrence Ross. Now, I do think that Cameron Payne is obviously guaranteed minutes, and I, I hope that he's going to be healthy. Uh, because he he looked healthy, but he just looked like he wasn't in touch in that first round series. He only played one game after being out for about a month or so. Uh, so seeing him get back healthy and get his rhythm and flow back and be able to have an impact on this series is going to be important because the rim pressure dynamic, in addition to the rim pressure that Devin Booker is going to bring, is going to be all important. And just kind of seeing what uh, which of those last four players between Shaman and Lee and Warren and Ross is able to get minutes and which can be most effective and what lineups is Monty Williams going to use um, two of those four players in around the other two bench players being staggered with uh, two starters, of course, at all times. It's going to be interesting to see how those matchups and dynamics play out. It's also going to be interesting in seeing how much those players can play because one of the biggest issues that the Suns saw in the first round was that Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker, I believe, are all top 10 in the, through the first round in minutes played. The Nuggets didn't have anybody that finished top 15 in minutes. And I think Jamal Murray was their highest minute getter in the first round. And I think he was either like 17th, 18th, or 19th in minutes played in terms of total and volume in that first through that first round. So being able to scale back those minutes because of the, the type of uh, team that the Nuggets are, if the Suns can get away with doing so, that would do them a great deal of uh, benefit as this series goes longer, because I do think this will end up being a longer series, uh, longer than their first round series for sure, and a little bit more taxing in terms of um, the demand that it's going to bring for them defensively, and being able to put forth the scoring requisite that is going to that is going to be needed to uh, contend with this Nuggets team. It's going to be all important. So, um, in my opinion, I think this is a big series for Damian Lee. I think we saw him get more minutes than Shamit over the course of that um, the series in the first round against the Clippers, and we saw him play a lot with Josh Okoji as well in the in that game five specifically in the second half. Damian Lee's going to have plenty of opportunities to have an impact on this game, especially being that guy that's opposite side in the in the corner, while uh, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, or Devin Booker is coming off of a, of a pick going to the right side. He's going to be in that left corner. He's going to be the guy that's being helped off of because of. Uh, the low help responsibility for the Nuggets' defensive um, defensive scheme. He's going to be that guy that's going to have those opportunities to knock down those three pointers that are going to be a lot more open than normal, or p- potentially even attack a closeout and play within an advantage from that dynamic. He's also going to be the guy that's going to be lifting and sinking off of the extra help that's going to be conceded to the Suns' big three and sometimes big four if DeAndre Aiden has the ball in a short roller in the post at times. Um, I think it's a potential big series for Damian Lee. Um, and by by virtue of that, it could also be Landry Shaman if he's the one that gets the lion's share of those minutes. I think it also could be a big series for one of Terrence Ross or T.J. Warren. Neither one of those two played much in the in the series against the Clippers for obvious reasons. But I think this series opens up a potential opportunity for one of those guys to play 10 to 12 minutes a game, sprinkled out over the course of the game um, through rotations, where, of course, it makes sense for the for the Suns. Uh, and have an impact in terms of their scoring while also being able to stay solid enough defensively as a team defender and not be picked on in the manner in which they would be against the Clippers in the first round. So opportunity is there for the Suns. 
especially for their reserves. The opportunity is there for Monty Williams to open up his rotation as well, to be able to extend the minutes of those reserve players so that he doesn't have to um, have all three of his best players inching to 44 or 45 minutes a game or Chris Paul even playing 37, 38 minutes. You can scale those minutes back for those three players, obviously it'll make them more fresh in the fourth quarters, and it'll make them more viable should this series go long, which for all intents and purposes, it most likely will. Um, so kind of transitioning out of that and just seeing how the Suns can operate against the Nuggets defense is going to be a ton of pick and roll. Pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. Again, it's the thing that sets advantages best for the Suns, and it's also the thing that compromises the Nuggets defense most because the Nuggets have a very solid team defense. They don't have the best um, ball containers in terms of guarding your yard one-on-one in isolation. And they also, again, don't have the best point of attack defenders outside of Bruce Brown, especially if you're looking at KCP being off the ball and tasked with guarding Devin Booker for a majority of this series. That's going to open up opportunity for Chris Paul, again, to attack and get into his spots where he likes to operate from to be a pressure point for the Suns offense. Also, speaking to that pick and roll, being able to put Nikola Jokic, who, again, we mentioned his primary base now defensively is being at the level of the screen, hedging up the, up at the level to touch and then dropping back or being up at the level and blitzing. Um, t- tasking him defensively to work, not just with DeAndre Aiden potentially getting touches, but in pick and roll. Make him get up to, up to the level of the screen two or three or potentially even four times within the 24-second interval on offense and making him work to get to that level, that's going to that's gonna make him exert energy defensively. He's going to have to be active there. He just can't be passive. So making him work defensively is one way for the Suns to really neutralize um, some of the things that he can do on the defensive side. But also making him defend multiple screens or multiple dribble handoffs within one, within one action or within one possession is also a way for the Suns to compromise the Nuggets defense. It's okay if you can make that initial rotation as a low man early in the shot clock. But after we make you uh, switch your role and toggle your position on defense and now you have a different role, can that next player make that same rotation with the same pace, with the same fervor and feel and timing that that initial one did when there was 18 seconds on the shot clock? Can they do that again when there's seven or eight seconds on the shot clock? And can they be disciplined enough to do so over the course of a game and over the course of a series when players go through hot and cold streaks and things like that? Like there's going to be these little chess matches in the game within the game dynamics to look at over the course of this series. And I'm just excited to really dive into it and just really look at the things from a broader scope in terms of um, who's dictating terms, why teams might be going to these specific lineups, why teams might be mitigating their rotations and going with these things, who's going to tweak their scheme, who's going to tweak their approach offensively, all of these different things to look at. So uh, lastly, let's go ahead and get into this prediction for this series. So. For all the things that I mentioned in terms of the Suns being able to, in my opinion, better dictate things with their offense in terms of having advantage setters with the Kevin Durant isolation touches, not having a matchup for Durant from the Nuggets, and also being able to just run, pick, and roll and take advantage of um, the lack of ability to contain the ball while also having a lot of pigeons to choose from, to pick and choose who they want to involve in direct actions throughout the Nuggets rotation for for the Suns. I think that bodes well in their favor. I also think that it's going to challenge their defense, the Nuggets will, in this series. But I think the Suns will be up to task because of the activity levels that they showed in the in the series against the Clippers. Through the first two games of that series, they were the, the playoff leading team in terms of deflections. And they have uh, two, of the four, two of the four leaders in stocks in the playoffs in Chris Paul and, um, and Devin Booker. And then Kevin Durant was averaging a block and a steal a game as well in that first round series. So I think they can compile, especially with Josh Okoji getting more minutes now, they can compile the requisite chaos-inducing and havoc-inducing activity levels in the passing lanes, on the ball, in help, in rotations, to not necessarily stifle the Nuggets' defense, but to make them uncomfortable. The Nuggets are comfortable when they're not being forced to turn the ball over or put in decisions to where they have to put the ball in harm's way with making risky passes. And I think the Suns can up the pace, get into them, and be physical. And if they can dictate, not just offensively with their scoring and their matchups and their advantage setters and table setters, but also on the defensive side, up in the physicality levels, being the aggressor, if they can do those little things in a sustainable manner, and I think, again, the starting lineup with Okoji being in the starting lineup, 
um, can help to set tones like that over the course of the game. I think that's a big outlet for the Suns. And for those reasons, I do have the Suns winning this series in six. I think it'll be a hotly contested six. It's going to be an arduous six. And it's going to be a fun six and an entertaining six as well. But I do think the Suns will win this series in six. Um, if they if they do end up going 2-7 and having to have a game seven in Denver, that's going to make this series and my pick. Uh, I'll be a lot less comfortable with it, but I would say Suns in seven. I do think that there's a lot of trust and there's going to be just a bucket getting for the Suns to flip a defensive scheme on his head and force Mike Malone, Michael Malone to be uncomfortable with some of his decisions in terms of personnel and things like that within his rotation. I do think the Suns will win this in seven, but I would be a lot, a lot less comfortable if this series went to seven in Denver versus the Suns potentially closing this one out in six. All right, I've done a lot of talking. We talked about a lot of things, X's and O's, matchups, schemes, tactics, uh, individual matchups, the coaching, coach versus coach dynamic. Uh, it's going to be a fun series, man. I'm looking forward to diving into everything. We've hit that hour minute mark. My time here is done. <laughs> so, again, I appreciate y'all for tapping in with me on this this latest episode of the, the Sun Study with Steven. We'll be having a lot more episodes of these coming up over the course of this series. We got some fun guests coming through for this specific um, this specific sub-segment of our um, Into the Valley podcast series. Uh, so tap in with me. I got the written content coming as well. My series preview should be up sometime later on today prior to tip-off tonight. Um, and yeah, let's just enjoy the basketball, not just in this series, but in the landscape of the NBA and the playoffs as a whole. So without further ado, this is your host of the Sun Study with Steven podcast. Steven, follow me on Twitter at StayTrueS.3 if you don't already. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's enjoy this great basketball that we're going to be blessed with having the opportunity to watch moving forward over the next two weeks. Uh, y'all stay blessed out there. Take care of yourselves. And thank you again. Peace.